Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Three games since the last episode. And only one of them actually felt like a hockey game. The second one, I blinked after it was done and I went, if the Red Wings didn't take the ice, there would have been no difference to anyone's lives involved, teams, players in- included. And uh, today's Florida game was somehow better for Detroit, but a worse margin for the loss. And by the end of the weekend, we were like, man, at least we're near the end. <laughs> there are six games left over the next 12 days, four of which are against divisional playoff seeded teams. Fun. I'm excited. If you're an NHL schedule maker, hey, I got nothing against you personally. I just want you to let me know where you live, what times you'll be home. <laughs> just, we just want to talk. Maybe let's meet like outside behind the uh, behind the coffee shop near where you work. It's just the three of us. Evan, we'll need you to bring the same energy that you have for um, for Toronto fans with bunting. Yeah, I don't. I don't care. The Red Wings suck. <laughs> You're done, eh? Oh yeah. You're there. You you've already played the last six games. So have they apparently. <laughs> no. Uh, well, at least like this weekend did it for me. But like, I'm at least grateful it took this long into the season for me to hit the point of. I don't want to watch any more games. Like you know what I mean. Like I'm like I'm gonna watch it because yeah, we cover the team. I, yeah, like but at the same time I'm like I don't. I'm not excited for it. I don't have any like hopes and dreams around it. Whereas like throughout the rest of the season, I there was enough keeping me going like, hey, they might not blow up tonight. Cider and Raymond are fun. Oh, Ned wakes up every few games and really gets into one. It, I, it's all over. Like none of all those things are still true. It's just not enough to make me care for these final six games. It's when you see the team checked out and then checked out again. And then, hey, a game where the goalie got them a win, but by and large, they were checked out and then checked out and then checked out. It's you're, it's going to permeate through the fan base and anyone who covers the team as well. It's it's right now, it's the slog. Although you're right, Brad, this started earlier like in previous seasons. Oh, yeah. There was seasons recently where by January, I'm like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just here to be here. But I, I think it's only fair. Um for us as fans and podcasters and media and whoever to check out mentally now, because most of the team has been for a few weeks now. I, I only say that half joking. <laughs> yeah. The sad thing is I only say that half jokingly because it, it legitimately looks like a good amount of the team does not care to be there right now. This isn't a slight on Larkin, but there's only so many times you can read and hear Dylan Larkin's post-game press conference. And it's some random combination of we can't come out there with that effort. You know, it's not going to be just handed to us. We have to be prouder to wear this. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yes. Also, yes for the game before and also yes for the game before. There's nuance to it. People are banged up. This schedule is like genuinely this back. These last however many games are from hell. But still, Uh, anyhow, welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast here to talk to you about Red Wings hockey, NHL hockey, the draft, some positivity. And uh, whatever else comes through. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. Yeah, that's Brad. 
And I'm Evan. On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we'll be covering uh, the Red Wings' three games that they played. Um, there are going to be a lot of crossover th- themes across at least two of them. Uh, we'll be talking about the upcoming schedule, some player-specific notes, uh, as I think as we're getting towards the end of the season here, we're going to start to run into injuries and things like that. Um, the standings and where Detroit is in the reverse standings or the draft lottery standings. And then we'll uh, take a look at where the NHL playoff race is at since since last episode. We'll be doing a prospect profile for a guy that we hope will be relevant to the Wings. We This was kind of a Probably bum- not, but we hope. It's been kind of a bummer for three games, so we picked someone that's a little bit of a beacon of hope to offset <laughs> that a little bit. And then there's quite a bit of news, actually, um, across the world of uh, NHL and the world of hockey. And then we'll be getting into our um, FanDuel segment at the end right before overtime. Uh, but before we do all that... The Jamie Daniels Foundation is hosting a comedy night of hope on Sunday, May 1st at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle in Royal Oak, Michigan. Tickets are as low as 50 bucks, uh, including a meal. And the purchase of your ticket goes directly to support a new adolescent substance abuse treatment center that cares for youth regardless of insurance coverage or ability to self-pay. It's a vital lifeline for youth and families in Southeast Michigan, and the show features three headliner comedians with Craig Shoemaker, Ian Bag, and Mike Young, and is sponsored by Priority Waste and Cranks Catering. Go to jamiedanielsfoundation.org to find out more and get your tickets. Uh, quick update. I'm not sure if I got to uh, saying this last episode, but wings through Wings Money on the Board and Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA, $15,000 we've already cleared. And that's not counting your season-long pledges. Folks, there is still time to uh, add your pledges to Wings Money on the board. Uh, It all applies retroactively for the season. And it can be any amount that you want. You want to be big, fantastic. If you can only afford a little bit, still just as great. Uh, And then there's going to be more prizes and things. We are so, so close to that $20,000 mark. Um, The Wing Wheel podcast night raising so much on its own was... Absolutely unbelievable. And I should take the time here to talk about a couple things. First of all, the live video and audio from that, the bonus episode, still working on it, taking a little bit longer to clean up. It was Easter weekend. Happy Easter, everyone. Uh, so I've just run out of time here a little bit, but I'm hoping to have that out for you soon. So stay tuned for that and apologies for the delay. And also just want to note um, for anyone who's at Wind Wheel Podcast Night, you'll notice that Brad and I, Evan too, but you were on the couch relaxing. Yep. Sick. But Brad and I were 10 times uh, more calm for this one, and that's because we had my significantly better half running the show. So just a massive, massive shout out to Mel for A, uh, not getting rid of me yet, and B, making that event so much more incredible than we ever could have. We're just a few meatheads. So um, her, her event managing and logic brain and just being smarter and better in every way made that event uh, as possible. So anything that you saw there that was good or better or you're like hey this makes a lot of sense yeah that didn't come from us (laughs) (laughs) so uh, we we carried stuff and put stuff in places and and that's the analog at home when we're doing renovations it's like the designing and planning and most of the doing is her and i just lift things and put them down where she tells me to yeah so uh the studio thank you for host hosting the studio and thanks for running the event mel and abby abby wasn't there but big sausage always has a presence Mika took her place spiritually. Yeah. yeah. I mean, kind of the same. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, the Detroit Red Wings. The Detroit Red Wings played three games. And I think the first one is the only one that we're going to spend a ton of time on here. The Red Wings visited Carolina in Carolina. 
Um, and that was the first of a series of brutal, brutal, brutal games against the league's best. You know, from Carolina through to the last game against New Jersey, there are two easier games against New Jersey, and the rest are just against absolute powerhouses. And Alex Ndelkovich walked into Carolina and pitched a shutout. Uh, 46 save shutout against his former team. 46 saves. Yeah. It's easy to be happy about that game because the Red Wings won. Um, and a couple players who we really needed to score scored. Um, but the Red Wings got soundly outplayed that game again. Brutally. Yeah. Yeah. They they would have been run out of the barn if it weren't for Alex Ndelkovic's arguably best performance of the season. Because he faced a lot of high quality chances and stopped every single one of them and obviously given that it was carolina that probably meant that much more to him detroit's performance across all three games wasn't actually that much different no at all um and through the first two periods seeing what ned was doing and going into the third i wouldn't honestly i would not have bet myself if you asked me to bet i would not have bet on detroit expanding their lead and that's not a slight at ned i'm just like there's only so much pressure any goal, whether that's Alex Nedeljkovic that night or, you know, Dominic Hasek. It doesn't really matter. Every goalie will eventually cave after that much pressure unless they're having a night. And that's what Ned had. Yeah, it might go down as the single best performance by any Red Wing in any game this year. There's not many candidates and that's going to be right at the tippy top of the list. And, you know, as you're beyond that in terms of how the Red Wings win games this year, it was kind of your prototypical game because the Wings haven't had many games this year where they were the better team, let alone a dominant team. They rely on skill players making key plays, which Larkin and Sider connecting for that goal late in the second. Not out of character for either of them. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, which I believe was Mo Sider's first five on five goal of his career. Was it? <laughs> It actually was, too. I, th- I think it was. Yeah, he's been all overtime or power play so far. Power play. Oh, that's – and yeah, OT is three on three. That's right. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that gave uh, Detroit a bit of life going into the third period, which actually did carry over for once because uh, Big Earn got one mm-hmm. um, off a – not like anything special, but a, a, a smart play by Mitchell Stevens to just – you know, he was in a bad spot on the ice and just put the puck in the goalie's feet and maybe something will happen. And hey, sure enough, Big Earn was the guy coming through to pop it in. And then um, the third goal, we'll call that um, balancing. It was regressing to the main. The cosmic <laughs> ledger finally had a tick on the other side yeah. of Zadina's column. That That's a goal that admittedly goalies stop 90% of the time. Yeah. But Zadina's had... 10 of those the other way this year that normally go in, just find ways not to. So the fact that he had a knuckler go through the defenseman and dip under the goalie's glove, nobody should say, you can say, yeah, it's a lucky goal, but it's a justified lucky goal. It was, it was long overdue for Zadina to get one like he that. He took the right shot. He shot yeah, through yeah. the screen and he had no other play. Antiranta should have saved it though. Yeah. A thousand percent. It wasn't an easy save. Cause again, Zadina, Took the middle, fired through the defenseman, and that puck was up on edge when he let it go. So it's hard to read, but should be saved. And it wasn't. And that was the hockey gods finally throwing Zadina a crumb. Yeah. The uh, the Prashant stat that I'm going to read out here, and this is a safe one. We're all... For now. <laughs> no, no one's going to be hurt right now. So most... Mo, for now. For most now. saves by a Red Wings netminder in a shutout. Uh, first is Terry Sawchuk with 50 in 1959. The second is Alex Nedeljkovic the other night. 46 saves. 
against Carolina. And he's also fourth in that list. I was going to say, he has two in the top five. Yeah, he? with his 43 uh, save shutout um, in mid-March. So, yeah, I actually want to go back to that Larkin play. And we're going to talk about Larkin here again in a second because I'm – I think a lot of people are just concerned about his overall health. But that – Physical or mental? Uh, Never mind. It's both. <laughs> it's both. Why would I even ask? That, that guy needs an all-inclusive anything right now. Like just anything. Yeah. Um, he He's in the lineup right now because he can do things like that. Not the entire game. But for him to break through – and control that puck through the zone and make the pass he did to Moritz Sider, who was in the right place at the right time, as you would expect from Moritz Sider. Like Larkin breaking through three, four guys and, and, and that drop pass behind his back was phenomenal. If it if not for Ned, that would have been the play of the game. Yeah, and that's a prototypical Dylan Larkin assist. Like if it's just you, what he does. If if you ask how would Dylan Larkin typically get an assist? You'd say, come through the neutral zone with speed, gain the zone, probably burn past one defender or two and catch someone coming up the middle. Just, just I don't know how many times he's actually done that, but just that feels like a Dylan Larkin assist. And it was needed. You're right. Like that broke the game open. And especially when, as Carolina was piling on the pressure, you needed a break like that. The goalie gave him every chance. The game should have been three nothing by that point minimum yeah and they he gave him every chance and that was the one game of the three where they took advantage of it there's not a narrative here across any of these three games and i'd be shocked if there was well i shouldn't speak too soon but i don't anticipate the narrative existing for any of the remaining games where if the red wings lose or get outplayed where it's going to be like oh this is a massive problem or how unexpected or you know blashill or this player or that guys are it's none of that it's the end of the season this whole team has checked out this whole team like a lot of this team is banged up and these are brutally good teams they're playing against like there what was the complaint against carolina sorry the complaint against carolina new york and florida is like you you have to have some life i understand why they don't and i think it's bad that they don't but it's not surprising and these teams are gearing up for the playoffs they're taking these games seriously. You can't just take a night off. They're fighting for seeding and whatever. Some of them. They're, Detroit's just has been tuned up, got tuned up these three games. And over the next six, I would imagine a good chunk of them, they're going to get tuned up again. That's just the name of the game for the end of this season. Yeah. And there was a, obviously a lot of negativity going on on Twitter this weekend. And one of the... What? No way. We'll, we'll call it one of the more... From one at Brad Crisco. <laughs> But one of the more positive responses I kept seeing, which I kind of want to point out why it's wrong, is... (laughs) Oh, my God. No, people are saying, hey, yeah, they got wiped by two of the best teams in the league. Fair. Like, yeah, nobody's saying the Rangers in Florida aren't two of the best teams in the league. There's a big, big difference between losing to them 3-2-4-2 and 4-0 in 6-1. There's the Grand Canyon between those two results. Nobody, if the Red Wings got outshot both games, let's say 35 to 28, and the final score was like a 3-2, 4-3, 4-2, something in that range, I don't think we'd be that upset about it. Oh, well, good effort, lost to a better team, still got better draft odds. There wouldn't be this prevailing sense of what the F is going on around Red Wings' social world. Um, no, it's the theme of the year. It's not that they're losing. It's that they're getting smacked and it looks like they don't care that they're getting smacked you're willing to see past it on games like 
Carolina because, you know, you had a couple, a few, like, really important timely goals. Um, you know, one of them from a guy who you're pegging to win the Calder this year and one of them from a guy who's snake-bitten and, of course, bigger and only scores big goals. Against Carolina. <laughs> yeah. And obviously Ned pitching the shutout. That was huge. And then you get to the Rangers game. And look, I'm not, I've said this before and I'll, I'll say it till the day I die. What the pandemic taught me was I'm never going to once complain about hockey being on again because of the time, like any lockout period for collective bargaining or of a virus, it's, it sucked. It sucks so hard. I never want to see people live tweeting games from 20 years ago on Twitter again. Like that was just the worst time for hockey fans. I will never complain about hockey being on. But that was the one game this year where I could say if I missed it and I wasn't able to sit down and watch it, I would have been no worse for wear. I mean, I, I sat through the entirety of the Coyotes game. That, that one, I had some regrets. <laughs> At least we had something to talk about. Fair, yeah. But the- yeah, that's the thing. with the, like From the Red Wings standpoint, I literally couldn't tell you one thing the Red Wings did that whole game. Like, I sat through every minute of it. I remember things the Rangers did and how the Red Wings reacted to it. I could not tell you one play the Red Wings made that whole game of any consequence, of any danger, of any... Lindgren launched himself into Rasmussen. I actually thought he jumped. I think it should have been a charge. I didn't really watch the replays too much. And uh, Rasmussen stayed standing off of a massive hit. And then the replay I did watch was Alexi Lafreniere putting Mm. Detroit's captain and then goalie on a poster. Yeah, we knew a Lafreniere big game was coming, right? Like, we we knew. Of course. Scratched beforehand, coming back in, playing Detroit. Just as the narratives of, oh, Raymond should have went first overall are really starting to get out there. Yeah, no, it was. God. What are rookies must love playing the Red Wings? It's got to be so good. (laughs) Their coaches are probably just like, hey, we actually want to scratch them again, but we got Detroit coming up on the calendar. We got to pull them back up for that. That's a cure for what ails you. And look, all credit to Lafreniere on that goal. Sick goal. Absolutely unreal. That's the kind of Lafreniere we saw in junior when people are like, why did he go first overall? And it's because it's like he can actually do that stuff way more regularly than he's been showing. But Dylan Larkin and Thomas Grace are going to want to forget that one fast and hard. Yeah, they both did exactly what you can't do in that situation. Larkin overcommitted on the fake shot and then and and in a bad position too, like facing the wrong way. And he half at like he didn't commit to the hit and then he didn't really get the poke off properly. And then, yeah, it just turned it into a half-assed shot block, which uh, doesn't work from the slot. No. And not when Lafreniere's bearing down Yeah. And then, so Lafreniere makes the move off the shot fake. And that's the first time I've ever seen a goalie bite that hard on a shot fake from that far out. Because by the time Lafreniere got it to his backhand, uh, he was looking at an empty net. That move was, like, again, it was a beautiful move, but it was projected, like, there was no deception there. You saw what he was doing from the almost from the moment he like stepped in from the blue line. I'm like, oh no, he's going. He's going between. He's doing it, and everyone just bit. It was like an orchestrated play. Yeah, like that's a move that the way that whole play set up. Even if Larkin and Grace played that properly, there's still a realistic chance that ends up in the net. Maybe because Lafreniere just gets the angle, gets the leverage. And then by the time he gets to Grice, he's got time to make like an extra move and, and maybe sneak one five hole or far side. There was zero resistance at any point on that goal. It just it made it way too easy, which kind of is the theme as as of late with the Red Wings. 
So let's actually just staple the Florida game to this. The Florida game, I think the Red Wings had a better first period. They had a great first period yeah. for the caliber of team they were playing. It was their one full good period they played in the last three games. And you were like, oh, maybe this game is going to be different. But then. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> you were wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, well, yeah. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the, the ESPN commentators were talking about, you know, the Red Wings have to make sure that they don't get gassed here. And I'm like, yeah. Did the game was a track meet out there. Yeah, like gassed after what? Like, what did they do in New York to gas themselves? I would feel better about the Red Wings having the second and third period performances they did if they did anything of consequence in New York. Yeah. But they did just barely more than you, the listener, are doing right now. Like, it, it was – and I don't say that lightly. I'm not the kind of guy to – I mean, anyone who's listened for a long enough time knows that we don't just come out here and – destroy the players after every loss but they again they look lifeless out there whether it's through injury or whether it's because it's the end of the season or whether it's everybody's be- banged up you can't use injuries as an excuse every team's banged up there's no spark there's nothing there there is it's like they're playing for the end of the season right now and unfortunately they had to play carolina new york and florida these three games <laughs> And yeah, the the first period was good, and that's the whole storyline. There was one play where Zadina got the puck over to Verana, who made a nice, you know, fake shot pass to Suter, who buried it to spoil Spencer Knight's shutout, and that was the only thing the Red Wings did. Yeah, because there's like what ten minutes left in a five nothing game. Yeah, Adam Ernie somehow bat batted a puck that was going in the net out of the net. Hell yeah, to score a goal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought Cider had like plays across all three games really where I was like, okay, even towards the end of the season where he's played, you know, the longest season of his life and he's a rookie and he's playing the hardest minutes against the hardest teams, there's going to be turnovers. There's going to be mistakes. He's still showing why he's a Calder favorite. And then that is like the totality of anything notable that the Red Wings have done. You can tell Siders had it with the rest of the team because uh, his, my one criticism of him, hence the turnovers is he's trying to do way too much right now. Yeah, he he knows. Like you can tell, he knows how much he has to pull on this team, and it's not benefiting him. And it's it's got to be a physical grind for them right now. Oh my god! And it, as it is for every race. Yes, yeah, yeah. He plays heavy. He plays hard. He plays against like Barkoff and Huberto and <laughs> Kreider and Good yeah. Lord, like he does not. He takes the hardest matchups every night. He's not playing against you and I any given night. No, he doesn't face the other teams. Adam Ernie's. Well, the other teams they're playing don't have Adam. No, that's, yeah. They have Adam Ernie's who are scoring 25 goals a season. I'll get the obvious joker of the way, and he doesn't have the benefit of playing the Detroit Red Wings. Anyways, as you were. Yeah, we have to check that one off. We don't want to do it either, folks. It's just, we're required. Yeah, it's required by law. That, can I just, that Barkov, like, the turnover on the drop pass, which is a whole story in its own, but the Barkov pickup and then drop pass on a breakaway, that is like, 2000 iq move right there's on a different planet well you could even tell just the stuff that process he can process he did at like that speed he, if his head was a clock he did like an 11 o'clock look and saw was it who was over his shoulder carter vahegi or someone and he literally just threw it back between his legs and it was that was over it's funny too because he should have had a penalty on the play but there's no ref in the world that could have would have or known to call it because when cider came around and was Pretty damn close to having the reach to knock it off his stick. Barkov just brings his hand that's in tight with his body, one hand on the stick, almost literally rips Cider's stick out of his hands, like grabs it, 
and gives it a kind of like get that the hell out of the way and then goes back to what he's it's, doing. It's another it's, level. Like I, I showed that or quote tweeted one of the gifts of that on Twitter and people are like, oh, I should have been paying. I'm like, I'm not even mad. That's like a thousand IQ play. Like, how are you supposed to be? Like no ref, like the way he did it, the he knew where the refs were on the ice. They're not going to see that. There's no way they could see that. They can't see through his insider's body. That is exactly what you're supposed to do. Yeah, like, like it's that was the second best pass he made all game for an assist. <laughs> yeah, honestly, <laughs> that the one over to um, Anthony Duclair that he buried was one of the nicest passes I've seen in a long, long time. Watching games like that and watching like the Barkovs play, you're like, you it's almost absurd. it's you almost feel stupid for getting as hyped as we did when the Red Wings were on their tear because it's like, and I don't think anyone was wrong to be excited about the team and. We will be again next year when they have their hot uh, hot streaks or however well they do. But at no point were they ever at that level. Like Florida's no. just in it. If Barkov played in a bigger market, he, he would he would be in more conversations for one of the best players on the planet. I mean, he is amongst hockey diehards, but definitely not amongst the people you just shoot the shit with. No, and he he's relatively unknown. And again, I, I don't want to get into, is he the most underrated player? Like you said, anyone who follows hockey will know who, who Barkov is. But yeah, just you watch him and you're like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's what he's we're doing the real today. Deal. Huh? <laughs> he's the real deal. Today, Today's game kind of proved my favorite point that I've seen people make about why Huberto can't win the MVP. He's like, what do you mean most valuable player? He's not even the best player on his own team. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, <laughs> Huberto's challenging for the Art, Art Ross. Ross yeah. mo- most assists. The guy's a freak. The whole thing uh, between Walsh and, and Dom on Twitter, like, it was just so misconstrued. I what? think it's a... F- oh, I clearly missed all of this. It was a while ago. Twitter Dom. drama? Yeah. Yeah. You okay. know, it doesn't make it to you. Alan Walsh, um, Huberto's agent. Oh, okay. Yeah, didn't take kindly to, to Huberto not being included in Dom's heart. Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyways. Let's continue. But it's it's a fair like as much as like I can't you can never begrudge anyone for for having Huberto on your list. Yeah, just watch the rest of that team and you're like, it's a fair point. Like, and it's it's not a knock on Huberto. They're just at a different level. Anyways, back to the Red Wings. No, this is more fun. I like talking about the good team. <laughs> Detroit obviously lost that game six uh, one in the end. Yeah, it was. Still somehow in my mind better because it had that one period than the Rangers game. And a nice goal, even if it didn't matter at all. Detroit, again, is playing for the end of the season right now. They're lifeless. They're getting tuned up by better teams, which is expected. But like you said, Brad, to a degree which isn't really... It's You can expect the loss. You can even expect one or two big losses. Like They're significantly better teams. But you just need to show some life, and they don't have that right now. The unfortunate part is, because the answer here might be, ah, well, we're almost at the end of the season. And we are. We're 12 days away. But there are six games left. And, you know, who do they have over there over that six games? They have Florida again. <laughs> they have, Hopefully they rest players. <laughs> yeah, Florida's getting to the point they can. They have Tampa Bay. They have Toronto. They have Pittsburgh. And all, they have... All fighting for seating. New Jersey twice. And the funny thing is, those New Jersey games are actually going to be important because of the draft lottery standings. Big win by Buffalo today. Yeah, Elite massive. Detroit. Yes, and, and we're going to get to that. Anyhow, so this is where Detroit is at. It's weekend at Bernie's right now. God, it's a little bit of a Jonathan Bernie reference, but yeah. yeah. Um, 
I'm watching this and I'm like, man, if Dylan Larkin is that banged up, just sit him. Just, I get it. Larkin, you know, if Larkin was ever to hear that, he'd want to like pummel you for even suggesting something like that. That's not the player Larkin is. And you love that, that you love that from your captain. If he can play, he's going to play. But I'm like the rest of the, what's the point you, you need to preserve your longer term health. And I have no awareness of what the injury is and whether playing these games is going to re-aggravate it or if it's just is what it is and you can play through it. Cause those exist, but yeah, what's the point, man? The the point is if he's not out there, it's going to look even worse. Yeah. Because he's the only one who has a sense, uh, has a pulse out there. And it's not like whether or not Detroit goes to seventh best rather than ninth best draft lottery odds is more on Ottawa and Buffalo than it is on Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I get it. Like it was after the, the Lafreniere goal where I was like, that's not Larks. That's not Dylan Larkin out there. Like again, you see flashes of it. That sweet drop past the cider was something good, but and he actually, you know, he was on one, especially for the first half of the Florida game today. It also gets mass when the other team just dominates your yeah. team the entire time yeah and and i'm i'm this is completely with absolutely no verifiable information as to what the injury is or whether it's even relevant conversation at this point but i just think you know if someone is hurt to the point where it's making that much of a difference on the ice i'd want to see the conversation about shutting them down and the red wings haven't been bad for that like i, I don't want to say they they would push larkin through it or anything but it's like in for a penny in for a pound at this point yeah especially with the context of it too because you know obviously lucas raymond slowed down recently as you would expect of a 19 year old rookie and who's never played more than 40 something games in a season before and uh i feel like over the last 20 or so games like bertuzzi's fallen off a cliff so larkin's not even getting a ton of support on his own line no at this point uh, obviously not that raymond's been bad but definitely not what he was for the first yeah we'll say 60 70 percent of the season but uh, yeah, it's if he's got to carry four other guys every time he's on the ice, he probably should have that conversation. The Bertuzzi thing is funny. I still like this is a massive success for Bertuzzi as a as a player in his season, and it's going to have massive implications for a his next contract and b his future on the team. Which we've had that conversation ad nauseum, and, and we're going to continue it. But yeah, like post break, it's been an injured Larkin and an underwhelming. Uh, Bertuzzi save for a handful of games here and there or you know whoever else is filling in for Bertuzzi on that line so Raymond does drive play sometimes but he is a rookie forward on the first line playing incredibly hard matchups in the NHL if unless you are a generational talent coming out of the draft every rookie is going to run into what he's running into. Now, Lucas Raymond's doing exactly what you expect of a 19 year old forward playing <laughs> north of 60 games for the first time in his life against the other team's top defensive pairing and top line night in and night out. Yeah. I actually, well, I shouldn't even say that he's exceeding what you would expect of someone in that role even now, but obviously it's starting to catch up to him and you can tell. Yeah. So the Red Wings next game uh, before the next episode is uh, Tampa Bay and that, <laughs> yep. Yep. And that is one of a uh, two games on their Florida trip. So that's Tampa Bay on Tuesday night at seven Eastern. We'll be back with you on Wednesday and they have Florida on the Thursday after. So again, it's going to be unless you get some shocker games, which again, we saw Ned do that. Not at this time of the year. These two weeks are going, remember the good times and <laughs> understand that this just is what that's it what is. what you say when someone dies. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, 
It's funny because you get like um, you get criticisms about um, Heronic, for example, and I'm like, hey, I'm there too. I just I'm almost like out on Heronic. I it's there's been we're hanging on to something that's just not there anymore. And there's criticisms of like Zadina, and I'm just like, yeah, you're right. He completely miffed on that player, like brutal turnover, tried to do too much, whatever. There's criticisms of defensemen. Doesn't matter which one, pick one. It's fine. You're probably right. It's just like when it's the whole team that's bad, what are you supposed to do? I don't know, start a podcast or something? (laughs) (laughs) You know, actually, uh, my favorite message that we got over the past few days? No. When we were talking about uh, the caffeinated bubbly. Oh, yes. Someone was like, hey, does Evan have a caffeine sensitivity? Because those bubblies, yeah, they're caffeinated, but they don't have as much as a cup of coffee and they really shouldn't be like setting them off the walls. Oh, no, they do. A cup, average cup of coffee has 40 milligrams of caffeine. Those bubbles have 34 milligrams. Cup of coffee, caffeine. I don't know. This person seemed really certain. Oh, my God. You're right. I know I'm right. <laughs> Anyways. Huh. Do you have one today? Um, no. We, I don't know. You, Not recently. That's for sure. Yeah. All, all I've just realized is that I've been way overdoing it for the gym and hockey. I've got... Caffeine pills at 100 milligrams that I take before I work out. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that explains a lot, actually. No wonder you're uh, you're tired. You have, like... <laughs> this guy won't drink a coffee when he comes to my house. I, like, Evan will ask for a coffee. I'll ask Brad. He'll be like, no, I don't drink coffee. And then he'll pop a 100 milligram caffeine pill. To be fair, that is before intense physical activity. It's not like I do it just to wake up in the morning. <laughs> you're an animal. That's only, like... Five days a week, so like I'm, I'm, I'm neutral. He for a couple technically days. has a higher caffeine intake than both of us. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We're better. Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, it was imp- <laughs> okay. Um, so that's probably enough doom and gloom about the Red Wings. Why don't we do Hit that tankathon? Yeah, let's oh. do a tankathon. Yeah, Brad doesn't want to do it, so we're specifically going to do it. Can't wait till we draft eleventh. Go. Again. I actually I did a tankathon to post for a after the Rangers game as like the game recap. And I was going to just post the, the screen recording, and they won it. And I'm like, I'm not posting that. Absolutely not. No, that's not. bad juju. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, All right. We're going to sim this draft lottery, and Detroit stays ninth. Hey, we'll that's take a it. win. And they're actually, this hasn't updated. They should have been the eighth best odds. Well, no, not by points percentage. Never mind. Not by so a quick update. Who won it, though? Uh, I already closed the tab. Oh, well. I don't remember what order, but it was Montreal and Seattle. Were the yeah. Okay, so it wasn't like... No. Someone moved up 11 No, it wasn't Columbus, like Winnipeg or anything. So Detroit just got passed by Buffalo, who has reached 69 points. Nice. Um, which is more than Detroit's 68, not by points percentage, but hey, we'll take what we can get. Detroit has two games in hand, but... And those next two games are Tampa and Florida, so... <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> so they have like a quarter of a game in hand. Um, Prashant was saying this in the group chat. There is... If Ottawa pulls this out... And Buffalo continues, they could pass Detroit. Detroit might get as high as seventh best odds. Ottawa's like five points back, though. I as bad as Detroit is, I don't think Ottawa's collecting, guaranteed to collect five more points this season. Ottawa's five points back with a game in hand. So again, I, I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't think Prashant was saying it's gonna happen, but there's uh it's not impossible. That's about the best we can hope for as as Red Wings fans. And Ottawa's remaining games are Seattle, 
brutal team. Vancouver, yeah, I mean, they're still fighting with whatever hope they have. They won like five in a row or something like that. Columbus, Montreal, New Jersey, Florida, Philly. That is the polar opposite. That's the inverse of Detroit schedule. Yeah, yeah Ottawa's going to get some points there. So we'll see. Not going to be a ton. Owen Power, hey, buddy. You're the best player in the world. I've, I've never said it one ill word about you. Carry those Buffalo, Buffalo Sabres, buddy. It's weird to be doing this again. We're Sabres fans right now. We're all, everybody, every one of us listening to this, we're huge Sabres fans for the rest of the season. We'll take that. That's about all we've had to cheer for NHL-wise. Oh, God. All right. On that note, why don't we jump into a quick note about today's show being sponsored uh, proudly by the FanDuel Sportsbook, a sponsor that gives Red Wings fans what we desperately need right now, more excitement in the game of hockey. There's so many reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. They're simple to use with great odds on different betting markets, giving you more action every game day. There are also tons of fun with unique bet types, same game parlays included, as well as exclusive promotions on the big on the biggest events. And when you win, you get your winnings back safely in as little as 24 hours. Now listen to this. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will, FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win that first bet. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get up to $1,000 back in site credit. What we want you to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today to get started with that risk-free bet and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-GAMBLER.net, West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. Okay. Um, in the optimistic view about the Red Wings being bad and possibly being bad next year, uh, Connor Bedard just scored his 50th goal and 100th point of the season. Oh my God. He's 16 or might have turned 17 by now, but, uh, and he still might not be the best player in his draft. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if we're, if the Red Wings are still terrible next year, it might not be the worst thing. It might not be the worst thing. It might not be the worst thing. I don't know. I'm still flip-flopping on that. Even Adam Fantilli at three is like... Again, next year's draft is... <laughs> okay, why don't we take a look at the playoff race in the East? Again, It's the, over. The teams are locked. Um, everyone has clinched, save for Washington, who will clinch soon. It's just looking at matchups right now. It's basically looking at what Thunderdome is Toronto going to have to step into. But we talked about that last episode. The, this is going to change probably up until the... The final game here in the West uh, Nashville and Dallas are still holding those last two wildcard spots in Vegas and Vancouver look like they're drifting further and further away. Vancouver's won five straight. I believe Vegas needs every point. I think they, they lost last night and Dallas won. Vancouver. No, Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. Vegas. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Shut up by Edmonton. That's right. Yeah, which again, they're seven, two, and one of their last 10, but even that one loss, you're like, that is crushing because they are down a game. Nashville and Dallas have a game in hand on them, and they're both four points up with six games left for Vegas, seven games left for Nashville and Dallas. That I might think be it. Dallas plays Vegas one more time. Oh, that's huge. I think that is going to be a massive, massive game. I don't think Vegas's way to the playoffs is through the wild card anymore. You think it's the Pacific? I one? think it's LA. I think that's. 
Because what, yeah, because with the gap that Vegas has to make up between Nashville and Dallas, with Nashville and Dallas having games in hand, yeah, it looks like a very, very steep mountain to climb. And obviously, LA's not an easy end to Vegas is probably still pretty decent long odds, but um, that's probably the most likely odds. And that's what I was going to say just now is LA has actually, or Vegas has a game in hand on LA and LA is only three points up. So there you go. So if they win that game in hand, it's, it's neck and neck. So that is going to be like, I find myself when I just put hockey on, if there aren't the Red Wings playing, like I'm tuning into whichever one of those Western conference maybes are, are playing at the time. Like, you know, Matt Duchesne has 39 goals this year. Yeah. What a weird revival. Yeah. Super weird. Hockey is the strangest sport in the world. Doesn't make any sense. No. We don't know. No one knows what they're talking about. But, like, what's do Shane has that albatross contract or whatever it is? And he's got 39 goals. Now it's worth now it's yeah, all now right. it doesn't look <laughs> bad. <laughs> yeah. So Vegas has Dallas once. Um, not an easy schedule, but not the world's worst schedule. And LA over the course of the rest of the season has Anaheim, Anaheim, Chicago, Seattle, Vancouver. No, <laughs> if LA doesn't get in, that's an all-time choke job. If it's if LA doesn't get in, it is purely on them. Yeah. Vegas yeah. needs to Vegas needs to play like they have Jack Eichel on their team <clears throat> and forget all the other injuries. They are. Doesn't every team Jack Eichel plays on suck? <laughs> yes thank you buffalo keep winning <laughs> you're right jack eichel was the anchor you guys can do this yep who says you can't win the cup this year math <laughs> forget math how far is that <laughs> how far did it get evan yeah look i have to come on a podcast yeah. twice a week <laughs> he's he's in a room that he hates with two people that he hates twice a week and he shows up <laughs> yeah it's brutal um okay let us talk about some things that are relevant to the Red Wings, including the upcoming draft. Not the next one, after this upcoming draft. And, you know, we've talked about Shane Wright and everything. And, and yeah, he's likely to go first overall. But why don't we talk about some people's consensus second overall pick, Logan Cooley out of the US NTDP, a centerman. So if you don't win Shane Wright, Logan Cooley is not a bad player to walk away with. What is hopefully Detroit, but whoever you know, is drafting that spot going to get out of Logan Cooley? Brad, you go. Logan Cooley is very easy to summarize. So I'll start with that. He is above average at every aspect of the game of hockey, except one thing, size. He is five foot 10. He is a well above average skater, whether you're talking north, south speed or agility. He's got an excellent shot, excellent hands, excellent playmaker, Tons of creativity and hockey IQ on the ice. There's nothing about his game that anybody shouldn't like. Sure, there's he's obviously got some minor tweaks and improvements he could make, but they're not even worth talking about because they're so minor. Um, but he's a 5'10 center. I don't think I think because of how well-rounded and strong his game is, there's no doubt he's a center. He's not one of those candidates. Oh, is he gonna play in the wing in the NHL? No. No, this guy is tailor-made for center. He's just 5'10. So if you get that thought right the hell out of your head that he's 5'10 and that matters. He's a no brainer top two pick. And I'm not biased, but 5'10 is practically 6'2 in my mind. That's just what I think personally. Not according to girls on Tinder. <laughs> That's why I got off Tinder. <laughs> it's starting to hurt. Yeah. Logan Cooley, again, like, you know, if you have a chance to walk away with Shane Wright this draft, you do. But Logan Cooley, 
he's probably one of the very few players where you're exactly right, Brad. The size thing, it's not relevant in this case. It's not relevant in a lot more cases than I think people give it credit for, but that's just hard to predict. But if you're ever going to be almost certain, this is one. He does everything. He does it with an elite hockey mind. His hockey IQ is always on display, and he does it fast, and he does it with agility. It's not just north cell speed. He does everything at a high tempo. It's always creative. It's always, you know, almost elite level talent on display. Whatever he is doing on the ice, he's making an impact, and he's doing it at speed and smarter than everyone else. That translates to be an NHL center. People act like there's nobody's. They act like nobody in is under six feet or over six feet in the minor leagues that they play in the yeah. development leagues. Like all of a sudden, everyone in the NHL is six foot four and a monster. Like it's not the there's NBA. monsters everywhere. You need to. I think you need to have certain qualities if you're not going to be big to make it in the NHL. And it, this guy already ha- and you can develop some of those even after you get drafted. But Logan Cooley seems to have all of them right now. Yeah. He's a little water bug out there too. He, he yeah, he apt that. That's the Evan Lobsinger water bug stamp of approval right there. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm uh, maybe it's just because I will take any semblance of lottery luck at this point. But if Detroit wins second overall, I'm cheering just as hard as if they won first because I think Cooley Cooley would potentially make a massive, massive impact on the trajectory of this team. Everything he does, and okay, remove all of the high end borderline elite if not elite skill that's a steve eisman player right there the dude gives 125 percent every shift it's like he knows people are about to say he's 510 and he's already down the ice and has set up a goal like he works his absolute ass off and i i can't imagine any scout who has any semblance of knowledge of hockey who would be concerned about his size based on what he can do on the ice that's why he's ranked number two for a lot of people yeah and that's to me that's cemented. I, I don't see anyone ousting him out of that number two spot. Slavkovsky's giving him a run. I don't buy into it, but he's he's there. But I mean, if you like Braden Point, boy, do we have the draft pick for you? Yeah, like, you're not you're not passing that up. Like especially at the positional premium. Like, no, it's I'll be shocked if this draft isn't right. Cooley one two. I I know the hype and how good Slavkovsky is and how much he shot up the boards, but. It's to me, that one two has been cemented for a while, and even Slavkovsky's meteoric rise hasn't changed that. Evan, if they get number two, actually, what's your threshold for defenestration for this draft lottery? If they get one only, or would it be one or two? Where you're out the window. What are you asking me? You know how how much hype do you need to jump out the window out of joy for the draft lottery? Well, the Red Wings aren't going to win the draft lottery. Oh, so okay. It's, That's a dumb question. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> when they inevitably draft sixth, yeah. So, again, watch any Logan Cooley USN TDP, you know, clip highlight game that you can find. You'll see what we're talking about. The guy stands out and he stands out for a reason. It's to the point where, like, you know, Evan jokes, but when you're talking potential Red Wings draft picks, it's like you say, oh, yeah, there's Wright and there's Cooley, but who is in the Red Wings range? Like, not them. anybody right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to have to be lottery luck for Detroit to draft him. If you don't see Detroit as one of the first two picks, Logan Cooley will not be where they're drafting. There's about a 6% chance right now that they get him, <sighs> barring any brain-dead picks by other teams. <laughs> Which happens. Yep. 
but not that many. Again, if this was the Red Wings drafting fourth, like in previous years, yeah, maybe you could hold on to that glimmer of hope. But if you want Logan Cooley, you're going to need to see that card show you up. You need to do some good. You need to buy all the girl guy cookies you can find. You yes. need to go work at some soup kitchens because you ab- we absolutely need the karma train rolling. Yeah. Blood when is the lottery again? May 16th. Okay. And we will be live. Hey, we're just under a month away. Yeah. That's still so far away. <laughs> the duality of man. <laughs> I just wanted to end. I don't want to hear the hypotheticals. What if the Detroit Red Wings, they won't. Can we just end it already? All right. So we uh talking about things that are unbelievable, like Detroit winning the draft lottery. The NHL Department of Player Safety assessed uh Evgeny Malkin's Oh yeah, jeez. God, does that feel like a lifetime ago? It was it was like right after we recorded. I think it was like a day later. But uh Malkin cross checked uh Boro in the face and uh he actually got a four game suspension. He got a four game suspension, which is mildly unbelievable. Are they getting it right lately? No. They got this one right. They got the Matthews one right in my mind. Close, yeah. Like Leafs fans were were like, okay, yeah, suspension. Then why isn't, you know, this, this, and this is suspension? I'm like, yeah, that's fair. And then they all piled on about Malkin. The only place precedence doesn't matter is the NHL Department of Safety. It absolutely (laughs) doesn't, no. So it was... It was funny because some some Leafs fans were like, "Then that should be double because it was like it was more egregious." And the Department of Player Safety gave Malkin double, and I was like, <laughs> "Lowered my pitchfork slowly." I was like, okay, <laughs> so hey, you know we're not going to turn the entire thing around in terms of public opinion on, on how they've done. They have quite a bit on the wrong side of speaking of cosmic karma, the wrong side of uh, a, a correct or incorrect decision, but. I'm happy to see them get two right now. Yeah, they get Malkin a break before the playoffs. No, resting them up for round one. Although, yo, losing Tristan Jari right before the playoffs. Frederick Anderson as well has to go for an MRI. Yikes. It's going to shake things up. I don't know what it is about Carolina, but they honestly don't really scare me. I mean, they just lost to the Red Wings. Why would they? Carolina is close now where they need to start winning. Otherwise, they're going to get a reputation of, sure, you're good, but until you win something, no one's scared anymore. Like, they're, they're a powerhouse team, and you hate to run into them in the regular season, but they got to start translate, translating that into something at some point. They've won a lot of first rounds. It's more than some teams can say. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Carey Price is back. That was good to see. That yeah. was fun. Yeah. Happy for him. It was really in the his family at the boards with the sign. That was nice. Oh, yeah. Someone said the NHL is better with Carey Price in it. And I'm just like, it was like the lowest impact game in the world. It didn't matter at all. And it's Montreal season is a wash. Like It's irrelevant. And they're absolutely correct. The NHL is better with Carey Price in it. If I mean, Carey Price took him to a cup final just however many months ago. And even though he's had a less than stellar past however many years, you know the amount of talent that guy holds. If Matt Duchesne can score however many goals this year, Carey Price can come back and have another stellar season. Yeah, that's what he did last year. And I hope he does it again. If there's anyone who could. It's him. <laughs> At the height of his game, he was making saves backwards. He won a heart, right? Yep. Last goalie to win the heart trophy. He'll win it again. <laughs> Imagine. Oh what are the, what's the futures bet on that? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Might be able to buy a house in Waterloo. Yeah. Ryan Hartman stuck the finger to Evander Kane. And it wasn't even like, I can't remember who did it way back. Was it Andrew Ferentz? Yeah, to the fans, he said his yeah. glove got stuck. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh it wasn't even that because his glove was off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just stuck him in the finger and yelled F you. And the ref like pushed his hand down. Oh, no swearing. Yeah, the ref was like, no, 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 no. I'm like, they just got done trying to punch each other in the face. Yeah, Ryan Hartman. Look at look at all the other stuff in the NHL that's happened where the fine was about the same as what Ryan Hartman got. And if you want to know fundamentally what's wrong with the league, there it is. Yeah, so Ryan Hartman got that fine. Um, it started off with, I think, Evander Kane's ex-wife. I don't know what yeah. all that is. I don't, I'm not getting into that. Uh, Venmoed him money for the fine, which is objectively hysterical. And then minnesota fans just poured money into his venmo to the point and then ryan hartman why does ryan hartman have a venmo i mean well i mean rich people have to share like hey i got our three thousand dollar dinner last night i'll venmo you fifteen hundred bucks right okay yeah it's not for me and you (laughs) oh it's definitely not for me (laughs) um and then minnesota fans started venmoing him money and he was like I'm obviously going to pay for this with my own money. I don't need middle class people's money. Yeah. I'm a professional athlete. Hey, he's not a politician here. Yeah. <laughs> no, they get theirs from corporations. <laughs> and then he just turned it into a fundraising thing. So I, I can't, I think it was like children, a children's foundation in, in Minnesota, which was awesome. And the last I checked, it was over 30 grand or something like that, which is just cool to see. And a hysterical, like you stick someone the finger, you get a fine, you understand it, but you're right, Brad. It is dumb, and then you just turn it into a good thing. Yeah, exactly. This is got the the level of petty that this started with, with the donation from uh, Kane's ex wife, turned into this great yeah charity draft. This is the dumbest good thing that's ever happened in hockey. Yeah, by far, and it's amazing. I've loved every second of it. I think someone should stick Brad Marsh in the finger. He's probably overdue. Yeah, it picks. Let's. Pick someone and be like, yo, go just flitting the bird in the middle of the game and uh, put your Venmo on your Twitter handle and we're good. Yeah. Who else has had a publicly messy divorce? Oh. Tiger Woods. Someone should flip. No, I don't think that would go well. No. No. It would never be seen again. <laughs> yeah. T- Tiger's <laughs> Yeah, Tiger's looked on far too fondly. NHL players have a better time, uh, have an easier time making an ass of themselves and making enemies. No, yeah. It's got to be a player that's generally hated. And, you know, obviously there's no better candidate than Evander Kane for that. Marchand's probably the next best, but he doesn't have a messy divorce. So it needs to be like Ryan Callahan needs to start the the Venmo train when someone puts him off. Yes. (laughs) With Uh, just a tongue emoji next to the donation. More serious uh, and more important news, the PWHPA has finally announced that they are starting a league starting in January 2023, a six-team league with teams in both Canada and the U.S. There's going to be 23 skaters a team, a uh, minimum salary of 35 grand and 55 grand average salaries plus benefits and a 32-game schedule. They're also not going to be called the PWHPA. Um, it'll be called something different. So, um, very, very base level, but finally that whole thing has translated into a league. There's the obvious awkward thing here where the PHF has their league that's running. They recently increased their salary cap. Um, I think the PHF has eight teams to so the PWHPA's planned six. There's going to be an overlap in their markets. Um, I'm not sure where the salary numbers are at, but it's in the same range. These these women are not going to be making millions of dollars, at least not yet. 
they're starting out where they can. And this is coming from a, a series of funding that the PWHPA did. All I can say is there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of reconciling whatever it is there needs to be between those two leagues. And I don't know whether that's merging. I don't know if that's one folding. I don't know if that's the NHL giving one their blessing. There's the notion here that NHL teams are backing some of what the PWHP is doing. And we'll see what's true uh, on that front. And that would have implicit NHL, you know, blessing attached to it. But it's a big move. And 2023 could finally shake things up in the world of women's hockey. So this is definitely a positive. And I don't want to take anything away from it. This is a good step forward. Um, I have more than a few friends personally who play in the PWHPA. So I I know the inner workings pretty well and and what these women want. And, you know, obviously it's not a ton of money, but obviously a lot of expenses are going to be covered. They're not going to have to work day jobs if they're playing in this league, at least four months, at least during the season. Yeah. Um, So, you know, making 35 grand, even as like a fourth line player. Yeah. Yeah. 35 grand for four months of work isn't bad. Like um, uh, it's not great compared to especially their male counterparts, but, it's a start. They they don't have to work a day job while trying to play a professional sport. Even my friends who play in the PWHP, I know what their training regimen is like. They, like I can't imagine having to work a full-time job, playing a full-time league, and do that on top of it. It's crazy. You do try to replicate it, though. This guy's, yes, that is true. This guy's a maniac. <laughs> and you know how tired I am all the time. So, it uh, yeah, don't recommend it. But um, Those caffeine pills, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Regiment those a little better. <laughs> no, they often days don't feel like enough. But anyways, there's still a lot of problems, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So again, this is a good step. And the PWHPA does have more backing from NHL teams. It does have the prominent players. So it's good that they finally got their heads out of their asses and got a league together. Because the showcases were better than nothing. But it was a very, very, very far cry from what they were trying to do. However, it still seems absolutely insane to me that them and the PHF cannot come to get could not come together yet again to negotiate something. Now, I understand the criticisms the PWHPA has of the PHF and and the ownership structure and and you know the business model long term. I get it. I understand the complaints and I don't know if it's the PWHPA being hard-headed, the PHF being hard-headed or both. I do not know what's happening that high up the chain, but you know, the NHL rightly or wrongly has said, we're not helping you guys till there's one league till you guys are unified. And the NHL backing a professional women's hockey league is the best end game here. I, no matter what anybody wants to say it is, it's the most viewed hockey league in the world. So if you have that backing, there's no way it's not a positive. So the fact that they're going to be running two leagues and like Ryan said, they're probably going to be overlapping because there's no way Toronto doesn't have a team in the PWHPA league. Well, the PHF has a team in Toronto too. So somebody's going to get screwed there in all likelihood. And I don't care which league it is that gets screwed. It sucks for all the girls playing on that team, on that league, however it breaks down. So the... I don't know which of the two leagues is going to be sustainable, but I can tell you long-term having the two leagues is probably not going to be sustainable for both leagues. No. And it, so I don't know if this is just a power play to determine who's going to be the dominant league. I don't know. I really don't know. But to me, it's crazy that it's gone on this long and they still can't come together on it, but whatever, A, a league, a new league with good pay or decent pay. I shouldn't say good. 
with some probable NHL team backing is a huge step forward. So it, it's definitely a, a big win for women's hockey, even if it's not the solution I think we were all hoping for. Well, giving – I don't even – I'll just say the NHL is giving them a billion dollars to be like, all right, here you go. Is probably not the best way of going about it either. It, you, you really got to let them, you know, try and incrementally improve their own leagues or come to some agreement with a unified league. Because I think if you just gave them money, it just wouldn't work. You need them to foster their own leadership and own direction and own business plan and, and 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 figure it out on their own and then really that's also advantageous for them for sure because then they know what they're doing what their their goal is and then the nhl really just would light a stick of dynamite on it in a good way the the nhl would be a huge boon for a women's league if even if they never gave them a dollar if they never handed them a check because what the nhl's big advantage is that they could have here is you know the toronto team could share Scotiabank Arena yeah. with the Leafs. They'd get their own room. They'd get their own facilities. That's one less gigantic bill they have to worry about. They get advertising through the Maple Leafs or the Red Wings or whoever. Like, hey, yeah, we this is our women's hockey league team. Go support them. You know, you can have the same color scheme. Like, yep. whatever, whatever you might be. Like, dumb example, but the NHL team is the Detroit Red Wings. The women's hockey team could be the Detroit winged wheelers or something stupid like that. So you can see the obvious connection there. Yeah. Like they would, the NHL would Detroit never. Detroit Vipers, please. Whatever the it Papa is. Papa wheelies. <laughs> God. The NHL could be a huge boon without ever giving them a check. Yeah. Just provide them the facilities and some advertising and let them take it from there. And that game would grow at a rate where the NHL would never, ever, ever, ever have to cut, cut them a check. The takeaway here is that there's a big fat question mark ahead. There's great news for the PWHPA. This could be the final turn before like some much more good news for women's hockey, women's professional hockey leagues. It's a big we'll see. I hope what it ends up with is another professional Detroit sports team to make me sad. All right. The FanDuel Sportsbook-sponsored segment where we look at betting odds uh, across the NHL and establish what's coming up, what would be worth betting on, what Brad and I are going to be wrong about. What's the Calder odds? Carey Price's future MVP odds, please. Calder odds are more at Cider at a minus 250 and a Michael Bunting at plus 400. All right, move on. Yeah. (laughs) I actually want to start with uh, the President's Trophy. So Colorado is a minus 370 and Florida is a plus 290. It's a pretty big disparity between the two. They've both played 75 games and Colorado only has two points in hand or two points up on Florida. Florida has a game left against Detroit. So free two points. That's a free two points right there. Like, again, I understand they're not two point difference. These teams are going to be gunning for it. They're going to want to win the president's trophy. Uh, Florida has essentially locked up 714 yeah they've essentially locked up the east like they're not going to get ousted from there colorado has locked up the west they're going to be the only two relevant players in the president's trophy even if you think colorado is going to win this is the florida plus 290 not a worthwhile bet i think just the chaos factor of it all is probably worth the bet just because both teams have so little to play for 
something weird is probably going to happen in a bunch of their games, and that could just tip the scales by chance to Florida. And if you have a by chance odds of winning a bet, well, plus 290 or whatever it is, isn't bad odds on a... It's <laughs> it's really not bad at all. Yeah, so for me, that's a pretty good value bet. And we saw what Florida's doing. Florida's 10-0-0 zero, and zero in their last 10. Colorado's 9-0-1. Oh, <laughs> that is like a bookmaker's presence trophy race dream. Like two of the best teams in the league just sprinting to the finish line full guns. I think Florida has all three playoff teams in the East or the Atlantic still. And that's probably the big difference. And there. I think Colorado's got some central matchups in. I think they play Minnesota. I think they play Nashville and I think they play St. Louis again too. So the schedules are like Ooh. very much the same, except they don't play. De- yeah. They're Florida gets to play Detroit. <laughs> they're playing good teams that still have a lot to play for. Cause Minnesota and St. Louis are battling for home ice. Nashville's battling for a playoff spot. Like, Tampa's battle. There's no easy schedule versus hard schedule here. Stanley Cup odds. Colorado, again, leading that plus 350. Those are the the lowest odds. Uh, Florida with plus 550 just behind them. Not a surprise. Calgary at a distant plus 900 is the third. I'm taking that one all day. I like that one a lot. I think Calgary has a chance to be problematic in the West. Like that team is winning in the right way. Calgary has followed the Daryl Sutter blueprint to a T this year, and that got la two cups so you're gonna have to give that one some attention especially at plus 900 i think tampa bay plus 1000 that's two things one they're slump and two it's hard that's a lot of hockey it's a lot of hockey over three seasons you expect them to make another cup run that's almost unprecedented in the modern era i just can't morally do it (laughs) the value of it's not bad but i just can't i Carolina is a uh, plus eleven hundred. Toronto's tied with them at plus eleven hundred, and that's about as far as I go. I don't. I'm not sure I'm betting on Boston. New York at plus sixteen, though. No, a dude. If Shesterkin, that's your only argument there. But that's often the only argument you need. Car- yeah, Carey Price fair. did right. Yeah, that's fair. So again, they would have to beat a lot of a lot of good like teams. true true contenders. Yeah. But it's not impossible. They're going through the Metro, too, which is a lot different than what uh, Florida and Tampa are going to have to do. I'm I'm not putting money on Pittsburgh, though. You're down Tristan Jari. You'll see what happens there. I don't know. I think I would literally rather play anybody in the Metro than any of the four playoff teams in the Atlantic. I, I think if I had to actually rate my cup odds in the East, I'm putting the four Atlantic teams and then the four Metro teams like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. the Hart Trophy, they seem to have locked that one up for Austin Matthews, minus 350. Connor McDavid's a plus 550. I'm not sure I'm taking anything, anyone other than Matthews at this point. Oh, Matthews isn't playing tonight because of injury. I think it was, they said it was day to day. He scored a trillion goals this year. No, I, I, he is definitely the favorite, but man, like, I understand voter fatigue, but I still kind of stand by my argument that you can make a case for Connor McDavid every single year. You can. Oh, you You can do can. that for every superstar yeah. though. No, no. You can make that case for Connor McDavid every year. It was like it was it was like when Crosby went on his runs. If it wasn't for injuries, Crosby could have won it every year. And he didn't because there was just better storylines. And that and to me that's it. Like, is Matthews that big of a favorite over McDavid right now on performance this year? No, absolutely not. Can you make the case for Matthews? Yes. Could you even give should you even give the slight edge to Matthews right now? 
Probably. But realistically, based on performance, that should be a coin flip right now. But Matthews is a better storyline, hence the odds and hence the reason those odds are there because he is likely to win it. All right, we're going to jump into overtime here. Uh, we're going to do our Patreon supporters first. They are our favorite people in the world, and they're the reason we are able to do everything that we've been able to do. So patreon.com slash podcast if you want to help support the show and join the Dub Dub Club, the Discord. It's a good time. Organized chaos. Connor Howie says, hey, Dub Dub boys, uh, favorite jersey of all time for the Red Wings, and what's your favorite jersey of all time outside the Red Wings? Uh, my favorite Red Wings jersey of all time is the Wrigley Field no. Wait, not Wrigley Winter Classic. That's the um, Ann, Arbor. Ann Arbor, the Big House uh, Winter Classic jersey. I have a hard time non-Red Wings jersey. I don't know. I like so many of them. I, because they're prevalent in my mind right now, I'll say the, the Detroit Vipers. The Jurassic old, Park. Yeah, you love the Jurassic Park ones. What are your favorite Red Wings jerseys? Home Red, always. Classic, perfect. I like vanilla ice cream, too. Did you just trash the Red Wings home jersey? No, uh, at Hockey Town Evan on Twitter. Get him. I trashed you. <laughs> yeah. That was get. a personal slight. Yeah. No, that was a. Uh, no, the, the Red Wings home red jersey is the perfect jersey. Any slander against it is considered heresy, and you will be hearing from the hockey gods. And non Red Wings jersey, I don't know. The mid 90s Anaheim Ducks is always peak perfect crabgrass says hey boys raymond was compared to martner going into the 2020 draft year was that a fair comparison and what does raymond need to work on this offseason uh it still feels like a fair comparison in the sense that they're small right-handed shooting all around off uh 200 foot wingers raymond just needs to get quicker like it's not even that he's slow it's just marner plays with such ridiculous pace when he has the puck um, that even though Raymond's doing basically the exact same things Marner's doing, he's just doing them slower. And that's fine. That's to be expected. It took Marner years to get to where he is now. So that that's all it is for me. I, I have no real complaints about Raymond's game. He could just stand to get a little stronger and a little quicker. Um, ooh, this is a good one. MVP says, what would you rather do, win the draft lottery this year or have top five odds to win the lottery next year? We might have odds next year. Next year, for sure. It's not close. Like, my God, you've got three potential franchise changers in the next draft. A guaranteed minimum of two. If you have top five odds, though, I think your most likely pick is still like sixth or seventh. No. Well, Detroit's is sixth. Yeah. Yeah. Don't care. So you would rather have most likely draft seventh next year than guarantee yourself Shane Wright this year. Yes. If it means I have decent odds at Mitchkoff or Bedard. I'm taking the Red Wings lottery curse out of this. Just objective like numbers for any team. No, it's man, don't get me wrong. I love Shane Wright. I love two are better than one, just purely based on math. My God. Mitchkoff and Bedard are not in the category of any prospect we've seen since Matthews. Like th- those are guys that come along literally every only every like five to ten years, and I, you get two of them in one draft. I just have a hard time removing the lottery pain from my head. Okay, Ben Height says hypothetically we're up by one with one minute left. Insider takes a penalty. Who are you putting out there to preserve the win? So Who are we're the worst players on the Red Wings. The Red Wings. <laughs> So you could put anybody out there. You uh, so Larkin. Like, so the penalty kill with a minute left to preserve a win. Yeah. Cider's not an option. 
Um, I hate this question. As soon as I start running through the options in my head, God damn. I don't know. I, I'm going to say something and then they're going to look at their defensive or PK metrics after. I'm going to look like an idiot, but let's go Larkin. Maybe let's go. Do you throw Suter out there? Do you throw no, not after that play against Matthews earlier this year? I have no faith in Pew Suter defensively. Michael Rasmussen no. for the long stick. No. Okay. Well, who else? You, who, then you're, who are you throwing out there? Alex Tenge at this point. Adam Ernie's going out there. <laughs> okay, let's go to the defenseman because I feel like that's probably the easier answer. Detroit's going to run the first four forward penalty kill. <laughs> Wallman and Stahl is yeah, who you got I feel out. like that's the obvious answer of who's available. Not that those are good options in this scenario, but they're clearly better than the other options. Larkin's the other obvious answer there. My God, is it Lucas Raymond? <laughs> To me, it's Raymond or Bertuzzi. You got it's, yeah. You got to send out one of the. You just got to put your best players. Yeah, there. skill trumps everything else. Just you need him to make a play. I I think I think we're overthinking. Yeah, you just put your best players on the ice given the circumstance, and I think the four best Red Wings you could throw over the boards are Larkin, Raymond, Wallman, and Stall in this thing. And God damn, is that depressing? Yikes. Uh, and I'm Derek says, does Ned stay with the wings as a backup, assuming he loses out to Kosa in three to five years? There is just too much that happens between now and yeah, then. Yeah, there's no way to know. Is Because if Ned is like a legit starter at that point and Kosa comes through and is a legit starter at that point, you're getting a haul in trade for one of them. So why would you not do that to fill other holes in the roster? Um, like while Kosa is on his ELC, I should say, you get a lot of wiggle room and you probably should and could keep both of them because even if Ned's making 8 million a year, hypothetically, you're still paying less than 10 million for two a plus tier goalies at that point. Um, and if you're doing that, it's obviously because you think you can win a cup. So yeah, you probably had your bets, but in Costa's fourth year, yeah, you're not paying them both. So someone's going. Uh, Jeremy Dahl uh, had a question here and this is actually a good point because we didn't talk about that Melnick article um, and we probably mm. so his question is we talked about what a miserable person Melnick was but he passes away and all of a sudden anyone has to say is anything nice I don't want to slander someone who's just passed away but what am I missing the thing is it's a little bit like this you know he passed away it was pretty unexpected except for the inner circle at that point, everyone knew what Melnick was. There was no point in relitigating that because that would just kind of be a celebration of death, which is weird and not right. But with this article that just dropped with The Athletic, a lot of things either resurfaced that people have forgotten or maybe didn't know or just came to light for the first time because it's been heavily implied that people are only talking on record now, now that Melnick has passed away. And it's ugly. It's really ugly stuff and it's being confirmed and it's coming not as a shock based on what we knew of Melnick already, but it's, I mean, I'll admit it's this awkward zone of, it's pretty horrendous stuff and it was not like, wasn't a good person for it. Like this, this does just because he passed and just because that's sad, it like, it does not make him a good person. And th these are the kinds of things that you wish weren't buried and you wish didn't have to wait until he passed away until it came to light. But that's, that's what you're seeing people wrestle with right now. 
So it's it's worth noting that um, Katie Strang was on the Athletics podcast recently, and she said, "Yeah, the timing sucks, but like ninety five percent of this article was done and completed before he passed." That just obviously shitty timing for the writers. I don't know. I hate commenting on stuff like this because yeah, it just it feels wrong. And the thing is like the article was pretty balanced. Like it did lay out a lot of good that Melnick did as well. And um, I think Ian Mendez phrased it best, like how you interpret that article depends on your view of one of two things was Eugenia Melnick an evil person who occasionally did good things or was he a good person who occasionally did evil things? And there's no way to know. It's you don't run into the situation a lot because you don't often have the person in question just dying. So, and honestly, I wish I could say um, that in society in general, people with Eugene Melnick's level of money and power, that this was uncommon. <laughs> this is way more normal than I think we would ever like to admit. It's a pile of bodies to get to the top. Yeah, yeah, it's it's horrifying how normal it actually is. Uh, we are running, it's it's pretty late, and uh, Evan didn't have a caffeinated bubbly taste, so let's jump over to Reddit questions before we wrap up. Big Daddy Toph says, if you could be Stevie for one day this offseason and you got to make one move, a trade or a free agent signing, who are you targeting? Trade or free agent signing? Yeah. Uh, Connor McDavid. I'm going <laughs> like, to go with I the mean, realistic Vincent Trocheck here. I think that one for is a free agent signing. Yeah. yeah, that's probably the guy. And that's that's I mean, that's making a pretty big statement about the direction you're moving. And it's making a pretty big statement about um, how much like what's going to happen with Trocheck and Carolina doesn't get him locked down first, whatever. Um, but that's who I, I'd want to bring in for Detroit. That could be a, a solution at center for Detroit. So if we're going under the under, we're going in with the understanding that the Red Wings want to improve next season. The one thing I, I've kind of put a little more thought into that I think might make some sense depending on the asking price, trade. Jacob Chikrin makes a lot of sense for the direction Detroit's God going. God damn it. <laughs> he's he's on a very team-friendly deal. He's a defenseman, which is something the Red Wings could use. Because as much as they have left-handed D prospects coming through, Johansson, Wallander, Sbrangovier, none of them are going to be as good as Chikrin. I think we can say that pretty confidently. So if you're upgrading those and all of a sudden Albert Johansson's your bottom pair D, fantastic problem to have. It just hurts. You know, it just hurts because they could have had Chick. I know. For literally zero. And yeah, you're probably giving up several premium pieces for him. But again, in today's NHL, we see the value teams put on defensemen and Chickren's getting about half that rate with term and he's not old. So it they're it could make sense. I'm going to combine the second part of the question from let's kill time with ashes 1032 question. So let's kill time says, who do you guys think will slash can be traded this off season to make more room for youth and ashes 1032 says, who are the players to watch as the season ends? Not from a, they're going to lose their job standpoint, but I still think the storylines for Detroit are Hronik and Bertuzzi. More so heroic at this point. So I, I think what he was getting at is where are the roster spots coming from to get yeah, the, yeah. You, the youth in? I had a, I took license with the and, and obviously towards the end of this, this season and then who's going to next year? Um, Not as many as you'd think. There are not a lot of Red Wings who are ready to contend. Uh, Red Wings prospects who are ready to contend for a roster spot next year. That list 
probably is only Edvinson and Berggren. And the Red Wings have enough expiring UFAs at both their positions where they don't really need to put a hell of a lot of thought into it. So I don't think it's going to be a case of trading a Heronic or a Bertuzzi or whoever to make room for these guys. I think that room is just coming naturally and it's going to be up to them to win the job in camp. We'll see what I mean. I think Ber- like I'm not saying I'm not saying they won't trade Heronic Bertuzzi. I think it's very likely on the table. And honestly, with the way Bertuzzi season is finished, I'm starting to campaign for yeah, trade him. But I don't think that's going to have anything to do with who's coming up behind them in no. the pipeline. You don't think Sabrango might have a nice camp and, and make a statement? No chance. No chance. Wow. No chance. So you heard that universe. You have an opportunity to make Brad Crisco look stupid. You can't pass those up. Okay, uh, we're going to wrap up this episode and record the Patreon exclusive overtime. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll be back with you on Wednesday. Um, Again, thank you to all of our supporters, uh, all of our listeners, everyone who has come out to Winged Wheel Podcast Night, donated to Wings Money on the Board. Thank you again to Mel for uh, being the brains of everything productive that we do. and thank you to our name or, or the sponsors of this podcast, the FanDuel Sportsbook, and our name level sponsors on Patreon. Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, the Stay Fresh Cheese Bag, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver for the number 69, Crying Ryan Hannah's Banana Slam and Jamathong, Matthew M. Rice, Billy Howell, Brandon M. Breaking into Bank for a Hot Pocket, Brian Johnson, Carl Brutanen Analuski, Citizen High Five, Craig Kibble, Daniel Garcia, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Hana Lee, Hassam Al Qasem, I Leave My Wife for Cider, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Marcus, Matt McKay, Nicholas Fritz, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Stay Fresh Greech Bags, the Master and Champion of the Winged Wheel Podcast, the Freshest of Cheese Bags, the Legend himself, Joseph F. and Fournier, Zach Spring, Sam Bankson, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landiscog, Bags Freeze, Bags Fresh Cheese Stay, Ben Barron, Cheese Bags, Stay Fresh, Cheese Bag, I Wish I Could Stay Fresh, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Evans, Bingo Card, James Laporte, Jeremiah Dobo, Jeremy Brocker, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S., Missing Vladdy More Than Ever, Papa Woody, Revy DeLuca, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Stay Fresh Flea Bags, Trevor Pebavar, Zach Handyside, Zach McCann, A Driving Range Superstar. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.